All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, I think we are officially live here on the Boca podcast. I'm going to turn my volume up. I think that'll help a little bit. There we go. Now we're getting better levels. Welcome. It is Thursday. Uh, It happens to be October 28th. For those of you that are live streaming with us, of course, you would know that if you're listening to audio after the fact, uh, do keep in mind, we live stream every single Boca podcast episode. If you go to youtube.com slash Boca podcast, subscribe, turn on notifications. You can follow us there. And the cool thing about live streaming with us is that you can ask questions. You can comment on the conversation with my guests. You can join the conversation. And that's a major added benefit. I would I would encourage you to do that. We're going to continue to build on this as we go through the end of this year and into next year, because I, I want you all to join the conversation. We have a lot of listeners, and I really appreciate that. Uh, but I would love for you all to come join us. And we'll maybe start to try to mix up the, the times that we do these live streams. Today was a little bit early, 11 a.m. Eastern on a Thursday morning. We usually do it uh, later in the afternoon. Uh, maybe we'll do an evening one here or two, but come join the conversation. Come hang out with us. Let's make it a group conversation. For those of you that are live streaming today, and I appreciate it, I already see if you logged on, please jump into the conversation, ask questions, comment. You can send us funny emojis. Uh, We can have a lot of fun with this and uh, please do. We're going to have fun with this. I'm going to introduce my guest here in just a second, but just a reminder, uh, as I always do, I'm going to throw up my receipt from my donation to Charity Water today, just encouraging everybody to look for opportunities to give back, whether it's in your local community, national, international organizations, a little bit of money can go a long way. Look for opportunities to give back. Um, Let's make a difference in that way as we go forward. All right. I want to introduce my brand new guest for today. Uh, I'm joined with uh, by Daniel Blewett. Daniel, thank you f- so much for coming to hang out with me. We worked through some tech issues. We made this happen finally, and I think we're good to go. I'm, I'm crossing my fingers. <laughs> I know. I am too. I am so um, thankful to be here, and thank you for having me. Trust me, as long as this isn't a conversation about tech, we're going to be good to <laughs> we're go. We're good to go. So. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, because I don't want to lose you in the camera, turn your camera just a little bit so we get you centered up in the frame there for those that are watching opposite direction. There we go. A little bit more, maybe. A little bit Ooh. more. Yeah. Perfect. We got you. That's great. That's beautiful. All right. Good. Perfect. We're, we're set. We're good to go. <sighs> we're going to talk actually today. And, and, and you know, it's so funny because I own an editing company and a lot of our, our regular listeners know this. Photographers edit. We specialize in custom post-production, custom editing for professional photographers. We match photographers' editing style. Um, But this is something that I rarely talk about on the podcast, and I do that very intentionally. The last thing, I mean, for any photographer that's been in the industry for very long knows is if you go to a workshop, you go to a conference, you listen to a podcast for that matter, you hear commercials nonstop. Um, We've intentionally left commercials out of this podcast and plan and continue to do so for an infinite amount of time. Because it's kind of annoying, it's a little frustrating, and the last thing you want to feel is like you're, you're being just kind of something forced on you, right? Right. But the caveat to that is I think through post-production, we offer a service that potentially makes the biggest impact outside of maybe the camera or the lens that a photographer uses, the biggest impact on a photography owner's business or photography business owner's life. <laughs> there we go. That's better. Yes. Um, and so you've actually been super gracious and offering to come on the show today to talk a little bit about that. And we're going to do that here in just a little bit. Uh, and by the way, we're going to have an honest conversation about this too, because again, people aren't stupid, right? When, when they hear somebody, they, for example, myself, knowing that I own an editing company, it would be easy for me to frame this as the easiest, best thing to do ever. We're going to talk about some of the challenges innate to outsourcing mm-hmm. editing and maybe some of the potential drawbacks in that process because we want this to be an honest conversation. 
Uh, but nonetheless, I appreciate you being willing to come have the conversation today. Like we normally do, we're going to start the conversation with a, well, this topic called brand position, and it's a great mm -hmm. opportunity for you to introduce yourself. Um, so let's do that. What is your, let's start with your photography business's brand position, because I know you're in education as well. What yeah. is your photography business's brand position? And, and of course, in the market that you're in. So I am a Pittsburgh based family photographer and filmmaker. So I like to help um, families record the memories that they want to remember years from now, ones that might be a little bit blurry while they're in this like season of life. Yeah. Um, but what makes me different is I am a filmmaker too. So mm. I actually started my business based off of the one concept that I knew that nobody else in the Pittsburgh area offered um, family films. So um, as a marketer, that's kind of my background. I thought this is just gold to actually, you know, enter a market where they don't have anything like me and they yeah. still don't. So I started my business two years ago and there are still are not, um, maybe not even any other family filmmakers, mm -hmm. but I offer that and that gets me, um, that gets me seen. It's unique. It allows me to start the conversation with different people because they're like, that's so different. Like I've never seen anything like that before. Um, and even though like it comes with films are more expensive because they're incredibly time consuming. Um, I can't Speaking edit post-production that I, I, I yes. mean, the amount of time involved is just astronomical. It is. And there is a lot of, um, creative liberties that go into every single project that whenever I do a film, but in any case, you know, it gets me in front of people, starts a conversation. And although they all don't, you know, want to invest in films, um, usually I end up doing photos for them. Well, I'm going to jump over to your website. And for those of you that are not watching live, you can't actually see this, but I'm, I'm on Daniel, Danielle's website, Danielle Blewett Photography, B-L-E-W-I-T-T, photography.com. Of course, we'll link to this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. But right there at the top of the page, um, well, first of all, Danielle Blewett, and you have family photography plus film, a little tagline underneath the logo. But then top of the page, center of the page, above the fold, what if you could record your memories in motion. And I, I love, I love that you looked at the marketplace and we talk about this on the podcast. I, I don't think a lot of photographers still do it intentionally. And it's an unfortunate because while brand position is only a piece of the marketing puzzle, there's so much else that plays into how effective a business converts a potential client and ultimately how successful that business becomes. This is a, a missed opportunity. I think in so many cases, and it's funny how simple the effort actually can be. It is literally as mm -hmm. simple as Googling a particular marketplace and that particular service. And you look to see if anybody else is offering that particular service or the variation on that service as we've talked about. And if not, there's an opportunity. Assuming there's a market mm -hmm. for it, there's a really incredible opportunity because now you actually stand for something that is unique. Mm -hmm. And I, I just, I love that you've exemplified this very principle. Look at the market. No, nobody else is doing it. You jump on it and you're running with it. And you said you've been doing it now for two years. Yeah. Two years now. Um, okay. I think I remember though, whenever I got the idea, I had this light bulb moment, like, Oh my gosh, I could actually start my business and be different. And as a mom of, um, two little ones, like I honestly, I wanted to, my husband thought it was crazy, but I was like, I want to go do family films for everybody and for free. And um, then it dawned on me that I can't do that. All right. I should start a business. Um, but I, 
I once I had it in my head, I thought that I almost like was like top secret where I was like, oh my gosh, I need to design my website. I need to get it out there because I know that somebody else around here is going to like beat me to the punch. Mm -hmm. Realistically, like nobody else was, you know, the films are unique and they're different. And I study with um, people that are all over the world. I actually learned from Courtney Holmes, who's in Australia. Um, but yeah, in my head, I thought, oh my gosh, this is, this is like so perfect and such an opportunity that I thought I was going to be racing people to, you know, do it. But really, I was just racing myself. And which yeah. is which is great. Yeah, we're actually working on a project behind the scenes at the moment. I um, saw that that has a similar vein uh, in that there nobody else is really doing it. In fact, literally nobody else is doing it. And the opportunity is incredible. And, and I have that same apprehension that you had, which is like, mm -hmm. oh, shoot, like if I don't get to market quick enough, somebody else is going to jump on this idea. Um, thus yep. far, nobody has. And we've actually, this is something that's been in the works for uh, six years. I, I was looking, we've got, I've had oh. this old video that I sent to my business partners, basically pitching them on the idea. Um, and it was from 2016. I want to say like, what was it? May, maybe July of 2016. Anyway, the idea has been there for a long time. And I think, you know, I, I look in hindsight, we see opportunities as entrepreneurs along the way. And, and mm -hmm. the mistake a lot of us make in many cases is that we don't jump on that opportunity. I think in this time, in, in this case, the timing has actually worked out really, really well, but I'm still a little bit apprehensive. I'm like, shoot, like if we don't get to market as quickly Shut as possible. It, right. Yeah. So we're, we're actually working on that and we've got a timeline and I'm stoked about it and nervous about it at the same time. But nonetheless, I props to you for seeing the opportunity going for it. It's a great example, great reminder for our, our listeners. And then I'm just going to jump over to your uh, education yeah. site as well, which is at daniellebluett.com. And, you know, this is, I've mentioned this in passing um, on the show at least once or twice anyway now, but I'm going to continue to do so because there are a lot of photographers that are getting into, I'll jump back to our split screen here, that are a lot of photographers that are getting into the education space. They see the mm -hmm. opportunity, they want to teach, they want to share, they want to make other people's lives better. The motivations are, are, are various, but there are a lot of people going there. So it is particularly mm -hmm. important in the education space. Very similar, in fact, to the photography space where there's so many professional photographers getting the education space to actually lead with a position that is unique. So tell me about your brand position there for that business. So I, you know, I obviously didn't have first the market for this idea, but, um, you know, I, I felt like I had my own light bulb moment whenever I was kind of at a crossroads with whether I wanted to take photography full time or, I was just, I felt like I was at like um, a, a place where I had to split on exactly what I was going to do with my career, whether I was going to continue in the corporate world or whether I was going to take photography full time. And then I had this like amazing moment of clarity where I thought, oh my goodness, there are so many photographers out there. So I started at Schultz Photo School and Schultz Photo School is a wonderful, kind, caring group of people. I still belong there. Um, but it's a there's a lot of moms with cameras that started just like I did. And they had this idea that they want to like start a business. But um, I felt like I had an advantage because I love business and I love marketing almost as much as I love photography. So I thought, what a wonderful idea if I could just start teaching, you know, other photographers and actually apply, you know, my 15 years experience in marketing and my love for it with others who, you know, maybe just are a little not sure like how you know the how-to of running a business sure so i thought what a fantastic idea and then i started actually i think i actually said it out loud 
I don't think anybody else out there is doing this. And then I started looking and I thought, <laughs> well, that's a little bit naive on my part. One, because I never really reached out. You know, I wasn't saying, oh my gosh, how do I start a business? And how do I market a business? Like it, that to me, that's all in my wheelhouse. So I never, mm. the more I started actually looking, I thought, well, okay. But I come from the point that not every teacher is going to resonate well with every person. So just like there's a photographer, you know, I may not mesh well with a certain family or I might not be the right photographer for them just based out of personality or, you know, processes. So my teaching style might be different than somebody else's. Um, so that kind of kept me going once I kind of had the wind taken out of my sail when I realized that there were so many others. Um, but I talked to a lot of family photographers, a lot of moms with cameras that are just saying, you know, I have this gift and I, I want to use it and I want to share it with people. And I, mm -hmm. you know, just like me, when I came to that crossroads, like, do I stay in the corporate world or do I let it rip and just see if photography can work for me and actually replace what I was doing in my full-time career. And, you know, for me, it took a lot of bravery. I felt like I am my own ideal client whenever it comes to that. So I, mm. um, I had like, well, you know how you to know, speak the language to your potential client. Yeah, I yeah. had the hesitations about going and, you know, can you actually really make money in family photography? You know, a wedding photographer, you make big chunks of money, but family photography, I thought, I don't know if this is really, you know, something that will, um, you know, replace what I was doing in the corporate world. So I try to come at it as like, I get you and I'm here for you. I'm usually pretty relatable um, when it comes to that. So. Well, and I'm jumping back over to your site and you do a great job here of placing that position statement at the top of the site as we talk about here endlessly in the podcast above the fold without having to scroll immediately. That photographer, maybe looking for coaching, lands on the site and sees that you focus on helping build a photography business you love, market your photography business with confidence, book more dream clients and create a business you love with simple step-by-step -step marketing tips. Uh, and you, you do a great job with that subtext and clarifying. Of course, there's great vocabulary used there for the sake of SEO. I mean, it's kind of a win-win. So we'll make sure to link to this in the show notes as well, bocapodcast.com. And by the way, I, I don't want to minimize the, the very thing that you pointed out, which is that there is, there is a lot of opportunity in the education space, in the photography industry. The, the thing that I've been very hesitant about, and, and this is where, again, when, when we, as entrepreneurs, if we're looking for an opportunity, there's always going to be some type of barrier to entry or, or friction in the process of starting a business, right? There'll be challenges, no question. But if we immediately go to the thing and do the thing that everybody else is doing, and I say everybody very broadly there, but everybody else is doing, then we're naturally challenging ourselves even more than maybe necessary. And mm -hmm. so what I want to encourage photographers to do is not just simply jump into education because it's the trendy thing to do, but to do so with the awareness that there are a lot of other people in that space. And if they do jump into that space, jump into something mm -hmm. that is unique, that enables them to stand out. Simultaneously, again, to your point, there is opportunity there for many voices, many educators, mm -hmm. many different styles of educators and personalities to be involved in that. And, and I certainly don't want to take away from that. I just like to continue to remind photographers to also think outside of that as well. Um, and that's the only reason I highlight that. So I, I think, I think know, this is a good balanced conversation. <laughs> I had... Um... I had a fear going into this. I was like, he's going to definitely say, well, what makes you different? And yeah, I don't have a very clear answer other than 
I hope people like me. <laughs> that's not a good. I know that doesn't cut it. That's not. Well, uh, but but you know it's it's interesting, and I'm actually glad you bring this up because what what can't be missed. One of the things that I that I have been posting on my my stories quite a bit about is, and we've talked about here in the podcast as well quite a bit is that photographers spend a lot of time talking about themselves on their websites. And I think this came originally stemmed from the, the shift in the industry that happened. And I've been in the industry about 20 years now, so I, I saw it happen. The shift that happened in the industry maybe about 12 years or so ago, maybe even a bit more, uh, 15 years, where we, we started the, the idea of infusing your personality into a business and b engaging with clients as friends, not just this kind of distant thing that you know, a number in the mix, if you will, they're actually engaging with them personally and putting your personality out there and your brand being an, a reflection of your personality and who you are and your dreams and your passions, all this thing that that happened. And it was a good thing because the industry, I, we, I got started in a small market here in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area with very traditional photographers who were competitive and didn't want these young kids coming in, you know, doing the things that we do as photographers, as new photographers. I, I experienced what it was like to be in that space where things were a bit colder and more competitive and people weren't super friendly necessarily. And um, so I, I like that we made this shift, but like many things that we do in our culture, there was this massive pendulum swing. <laughs> and so what happens is we have this massive, massive pendulum swing in a very positive direction, which is let's be more personable and engaged and put our personalities out there and connect with our clients in a deep you know, personal level. And it's all great and good, except that at that point, and to bring it back to what you said, just being likable doesn't make a successful business. Being likable mm -hmm. enables us to be able to connect with a potential client, maybe a bit more effectively, but there's a lot more at stake here. And mm -hmm. let's all remember that when somebody lands on our website, we might have a pretty picture of us throwing our heads back with a cup of coffee sitting next to pretty window light. But at the end of the day, that again, doesn't book a client and they don't but like, how does that help me? <laughs> well, yeah, it doesn't. And that's exactly it. It doesn't, it doesn't ultimately tell that potential client how their life is better as a result of engaging with my brand. Um, so again, balance of some kind, and it, it's not black and white, but balance of some kind where we're not going to one extreme or the other. I think it's good um, that we look for something like that. So, all right, enough of the, the tangents and the rants. We'll, we'll keep going. We have a lot to talk about, actually. Talk to me about for you, what is the most important idea behind providing a really great customer experience for your clients, whether it's photographers or non-photographers? Um, everything, I would say, you know, everything boils down to expectations, you know, um, a good client experience. I'm just talking from like a photography standpoint, but mm -hmm. um, you need to kind of uh, set their expectations through really good communication and really good preparation. So those are like the two building blocks I have whenever I'm actually um, working with clients, because if you know you don't prepare them well or you don't communicate with what they need to see next, um, there's a lot of gray area and a lot of margin and exactly mm -hmm. what their expectations are and what you're actually delivering. So if there's a discrepancy there, they're going to be let down no matter what. Um, so yeah, it all communication, preparation, and honestly, like, you know, everybody always has these questions about, you know, how do I grow my business? And do I need to advertise on Facebook and all these different marketing things? And I just, I want to say like the core of growing your business comes down to happy clients. So hmm. if you have happy clients, you have access to all of their networks. Hmm. So um, I think perfecting the client experience gets you really good reviews. 
it gets you access to their networks. Um, so yeah, client experience I think is everything. And to your original point, what, what really drives that great client experience is managing expectations proactively. Uh, that mm -hmm. it's so huge. We're actually, and I think I mentioned this, mentioned this, um, during yesterday's, yesterday's episode, excuse me, when, um, it, I, we've actually recently been spending some time myself and Jill who heads up our digital marketing mm -hmm. talking about how to rebuild actually the onboarding process for one of our brands and looking at more intentionally and more effectively managing the expectations of a potential client. It's a lot of times I think in the, as photographers or you know, whether we're engaging with potential clients as a photography business or in your case as an educator working with other photographers, myself working with other photographers, it's easy to assume that they know something or that they understand something. Yes. And the reality is we can't do that. In fact, in all types of relationships, business and personal, we start assuming, yeah, we as human beings, we have the ability to read a scene pretty well. But at the end of the day, if we just simply assume all the time, we're going to get in trouble. And so yes. we have to assume I, I, the way that I like to look at it and especially when it comes to marketing and I'd maybe love your take on this too, with your background in marketing is let me communicate to this potential client at a level that I might communicate to a third grader. And to be mm -hmm. clear, not because I'm talking down to them or because I think they're stupid, but because I want to minimize the possibility for confusion. So if I use yes. words that have five different meanings in different contexts, or I use comp overly complicated words that somebody might get lost in, then I'm already messing the process up. So let me simplify it. And, mm -hmm. and whether with the words or the number of words, let me simplify the message. And then to your earlier point, proactively manage expectations. This is what the process looks like. Hold my hand. Let me take you through it. And that is the beginning of an incredible client experience, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like, honestly, so Donald Miller says it best, confuse, you lose. Hmm. So we have, you know, we're all so close to our businesses. Like, I, I'm married to my business. I feel like sometimes where I know it inside and out, that, that means nothing to my client who's still trying to figure things out and, you know, see how I run things. Um, I just had a thought something about Donald Miller, but anyways, yeah, I, well, but you're, you're going, to, you're going the right track. And yeah, he is for anybody who's listening, who's not heard us mention Donald Miller in the podcast yet. We, we, I kind of talk about him endlessly because he's got some yeah. really, really great books. We talked about building a story brand marketing made simple. I'm actually in the middle of reading business made simple, which I think is his most mm -hmm. recent book. And it, it is, there is some repetition through those books, but it, Honestly, I don't mind it too much because there are simple, basic principles that can drive an effective business. And one of those is the importance of, in fact, let me just read this if you don't mind, Danielle. Um, I, I, I just it. posted this to my stories today from one of his books, actually. And what he says, I'm going to pull this up here. Let's see. Let me jump back. Here we go. No dead air, right? We're, we're, we're live. But he says to, to our conversation, most companies want to share far too much information on their website. The truth is people don't need to know your grandmother started the company or that you won an award 10 years ago from the Chamber of Commerce. What they need, do need to know is what you offer, number one. Number two, how it will make their lives better. And number three, what they need to do to buy it. And I mean, that's, that's literally it. So if we can make that message clear the moment they land on the site mm -hmm. within literally a span of two or three, four seconds, and then as far as the process for buying it, we literally handhold them through that process of, of buying it. It's, it's almost a given, as long as you're offering a valuable product or service that you can have a successful business, but mm -hmm. it's the basics. It's starting with those basics. That's so important. Yeah, I agree. 
that's what I, I was thinking. Like if you're, we're so close to our businesses that we got all caught up, you know, well, we know that it is this simple. Like whenever we actually have the core of what we're doing and we take it and we overcomplicate it, trying to be cute and fancy and trying, that's and it. then, then you lost somebody. Like if you just, mm-hmm. you know, come from the marketing world, we would hire agencies and everything and we would pay them big money to come up with these big fancy slogans. And honestly, I think this was before the time of Donald Miller, because had I known him 15 years ago, whenever I was, you know, working for different companies, gosh, I feel like I could have saved a lot of money. Like just simple stuff actually sells. It really does. It really does. Well, we'll make sure to link to to uh, Donald's books in the show notes, bookapodcast.com. Mm-hmm. And by the way, for anybody listening in, and we're going to come back to books in a second, but we have a resource for those of you listening uh, that is Boca Bookshelf, B-O-K-E-H, bookshelf.com. If you go to that URL, you'll see the most popular recommendations uh, on the podcast, over 500 episodes. There have been a lot of books shared, but there's a, there's a theme uh, running through, probably top 10 mm-hmm. books anyway that are, are most commonly shared. But there are a number of those there. And for those of you listening, if, if you're or watching, um, if you're looking for the next read, make sure to go check out that resource, bookabookshelf.com. So next question for you, for you, Danielle, talk to me a little bit about time management. You, you mm-hmm. mentioned your family. How have you, I guess, and, and there's probably a lot of answers to this question. What's the one of the biggest ideas that's driven your ability to balance business and personal life? All right. I'm going to preface this by saying I'm a terrible person role model right now in this October. <laughs> okay fall season, I have overbooked myself. And um, yeah, so we're just going to pretend like the rest of the year is what I'm talking about. However, I honestly, for me, it's all about time management and scheduling. So once my business, um, you know, I, I got the ball rolling, and I started getting clients, and there was a demand for uh, working with me, then you can start actually setting your schedule. So for me, one of the things that I do, and I say this all the time, I'm either gonna be a hero at the end of the day or um, I'm gonna be really, really tired. But um, I set my schedule and I say, I'm only shooting, I try to protect my time with family. So I only shoot one time on a weekend and one or two times during the week. Once my schedule fills, then I actually, I offer piggyback sessions. Hmm. So once my, I think my calendar filled up through the end of the year in August, and I still had just the flood of people coming in and I said, okay, well, here's the thing. I'm gonna be shooting, there's, so I'm in Pittsburgh and there's a handful of gorgeous locations that are always like the top requested places to shoot in Pittsburgh. Then I went to everybody and I said, okay, well, listen, I'm gonna be here at this um, location on this date. And I gave them like my full calendar I want to work with you, but if you want a session, you know, pick one of these and you'll come before I shoot the other one. So everybody always has the full understanding that it's a piggyback session. So maybe they're not getting prime golden hour, which isn't, um, you know, we don't always get that in Pittsburgh anyways. So that's not guaranteed anyways. (laughs) Sure. Um, you know, but they get to pick their, their location and their time. And then what happens is my schedule at that point fills. So every single time that I'm leaving the house and I'm driving, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes to get to that location, I'm actually shooting four families instead of just one. So at that point I've quadrupled my money. Mm. Um, and this is where photographers edit comes in because I could not do that without you guys. Um, but that is how I, 
that is how I try to protect my time because I have um, a family. But like I said, I'm not always good at sticking with my boundaries. Um, you know, it's just all about being intentional and being aware of it. So sometimes like in this season, I'm aware that I've probably overdone it a little bit. Um, but I'm aware of it. Another <laughs> little thing. Yeah, I admit it at least. But another thing, and this is just like a super quick win for me. So I have small kids. So, you know, my phone is the biggest distraction that I have. Hmm. Sometimes I just quite literally have to physically put it in another room mm -hmm. and set a timer in my own head that, mm -hmm. you know, for this next hour, I'm going to give undivided attention because it's just not fair, um, you know, for my kids sometimes when mm. I'm constantly a slave to my phone. And yeah, so what, that's a how, quick win. How old are your kids? Five and seven. Oh, yeah. So when, when my kids were quiet a bit younger actually they're they're three years apart now they're 19 and 16 but they were when they were quite a bit younger one of the things that we started doing because we were actively i say we my, myself and and my ex who also was my my business partner um were photographing together we we would intentionally to make sure we were giving them time um sunday was the the day that we would you know, shut computers down actually mm -hmm. initially it was monday we, we did what we called fun monday so fun monday was computers shut down and we, we didn't work and they were old enough they got, or at least got to where they were old enough that they understood what that meant. So they would hold us accountable too. fun Monday is like mom and dad don't work. And, yeah. and so there was this accountability there and we would go out and do something. We would go to a park or go to the you know mini golf or do mm -hmm. something together. And that, that was kind of a, a, a good way to, I guess, to set up that dedicated time because of the accountability piece. Um, we were kind of committing to that. Of course, it gave us a break too. After the wedding weekend, and you're tired and everything. Once they started going to school, then it became fun Sunday. Uh, mm -hmm. Still kind of rhymed too, so that worked. Uh, but it, it gave them that dedicated day. And, and like you said, being intentional in that way and making a commitment, ideally that somebody can hold you accountable for, um, it really also makes a big difference. And at that young age, man, it, I know it's so cliche, but I'm it relatively, so fast. it does. And I'm relatively young and I still say these things that sound like, uh -huh. you know, a 70 year old is saying it, but I truly I'm, I'm 42 and my kids are 19 and, and 16. And I look, I have this picture hanging on, on the wall here, kind of out of the camera, out of the way of the camera, but it's a picture of my kids and they're six and three and they're just lit up. And hmm. that's to me, like that is, that is them. And there are these you know, parts of me that I'm like, oh, if, if I could have done this, this, or that to protect or hold on to some of that um, as they aged, uh, obviously they're going to change, but it, I could have maybe done a little bit of this different and that different. And certainly the time piece is, is always something that uh, even if I did okay in that through mm -hmm. the years, I could always have given them more. And you know, what kind of impact would that have made in the big picture? So it's, it's super important to be intentional. Like you said, awareness is one thing. Intentionality mm -hmm. is kind of the next step. Um, commitment and accountability is the follow-up to that, I think, that can make yeah. a big impact. That's exactly like even just, you know, it's way different if I actually give my time, but I'm also sitting there like, oh, my phone went off. Let me just check this. Hold on one second. Yeah. You know, and I just keep, so it's like the quality of the time means so much more. So like I knew this morning that I was going to be getting ready to talk with you and my daughter goes off to school. My son only goes to school in the afternoon. And he said to me, he's like, mommy, will you play with me? Will you play with me? And my first answer was no, because, you know, I wanted to get ready. And then my second answer was, 
no, you know what, let's sit down and we played a game and he loved it. He got 30 minutes of, you know, devoted time. Mm -hmm. And that was perfect. And he was mm -hmm. like, thanks. Like, so it's the quality that matters. It, well, and I'm glad that you, you gave that example because you're right. It's not that we have to go spend five hours at a time. Mm -hmm. The reality is we have a lot to juggle as business owners and just living life. But making sure to consistently give that quality time is important. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the phone. And the other thing that really stands out to me is, you know, even young kids notice if we pick up the phone. And in fact, mm -hmm. what's really sad to see is then they mirror that. It's like, oh, yes. mom or dad has checked out, and so now I'm going to go to my phone or I'm going to go to my electronics and go do my thing too because I know they're checked out. They're 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 not engaged with me. Ah, oh, and I mean, it's, it's I know. heartbreaking to think about. So, <sighs> just a good reminder for all of us, myself included, uh, yes. and certainly for those listening in. Let's let's be not just intentional, but actually follow through on that and maybe create a little bit of accountability with our kids or partner, or otherwise. And I think it'll make a big difference all the way around. Last 100%. question. Last question yep. for you before we get into this topic of outsourcing. Normally, we would talk about delegation here. We're going to talk about that in a grander scale. So talk, talk to me about a favorite book, self-help book, business book, maybe a combination that you'd recommend to our listeners. All right. So you can guess my first one. Obviously, Donald Miller, Game Changer. Yeah. I know you've talked about him so much here. Um, I'm not a huge reader. Um, oh, you know what I do want to mention about Donald Miller, though? Yeah. So I don't read a lot of books. I'm a slow reader, so I think it kind of like bothers me that I'm... I just can't like run through them. But sure. anyways, I had joined Donald Miller's Business Made Simple University whenever he first launched it. Okay. And for me, a visual learner, that was so much more helpful to me because I actually got to see videos and mm -hmm. courses of him actually in front of me applying his framework mm -hmm. to different examples. Then I was able to actually take that, rewatch it, and apply it to my business. So, um, you know, for anybody who's not like, doesn't like to read books business made simple university was very very helpful to me from a marketing standpoint um, to actually see how his concepts were applied yeah you know marketing made simple so building a story brand is well pretty much what it says it is it is talking about how to build your brand around a story about the client mm -hmm. how the client becomes the hero and you're there to support that marketing made simple he actually did a really great job speaking of the visual have you read that book no okay. that is on my list yeah that's fine but marketing made simple you were talking about the significance of the visual and mark mm -hmm. i love marketing made simple for that reason because he does he talks about that framework but then gives the visuals to go along with it yes and when he talks about how to build out your website and particularly the homepage yes. of your website it's it's super practical and super easy to follow and he does give the visuals and and then i think he had i want to say he has like links that you can go to as well where you can get additional resources to engage with so mm -hmm. super he is one of the most practical business writers that yes. i've ever read uh, and for that matter business or self-help because a lot of times business books just like ramble on and there's mm -hmm. a lot of filler and, and to be clear there's some filler in, in his books too but it's he gets to a very practical point pretty quickly and and yes. the, the principles are simple and they're easy to apply and un or understand and apply um highly recommend it so yeah for for anybody listening and definitely recommend now one book though i did just read um michael hyatt's free to focus okay. and that actually lends itself right into our conversation today because he's talking about basically splitting up all of your tasks into different zones and um you know he's says pretty much your ultimate goal is to get into your desire zone, something that you do that only you can do, that you do very, very well, like you're very good at it, and you're also very um, proficient at it. So pretty much anything else outside of that zone 
should be delegated, should be outsourced in some mm. sort of way. And um, so, yeah, that that actually is kind of I got a long list of things I need to to do um, from keep that outsourcing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I pulled the book up here on Amazon for anybody who's curious, listening or watching free to focus a total productivity system to achieve more by doing less. And, you know, of course, the the, the conversation and, and I've, I've at least alluded to this briefly in the podcast previously, but but Jill, who produces our show, came from and, and runs our digital marketing. She came from the education space and that was basically what she mm-hmm. did all her professional life. And she brought an interesting perspective to bear um, in these conversations that we're kind of obsessed with as sole solopreneurs, um, sole proprietors, I should say, and entrepreneurs, which is the idea that we are going to kind of give everything up and you know just focus on the things that we like to do. She's like, hey, by the way, there are people out there that still have to do that work. And it's true. And, and so I think yeah. it helps us appreciate uh, or should anyway help us appreciate those that are uh, dare I say it, a supporting role in the sense that they're supporting what it is that we're trying to achieve with our business. But um, we, we also don't want to minimize the significance of the hard work that we do put in. The reality is that even if we are working intelligently, the work that we mm-hmm. do put in, we should be intentional about that we should be putting the hard work in and be willing to do that uh, because we can go to the opposite end of the, the spectrum. And I mentioned this before in the podcast, but uh, Daniel, when I started Photographer's Edit, we're going to talk about Photographer's Edit here in a second, but one of the reasons that I started is because I wanted even more freedom and flexibility in my life with my kids and with my family. Mm-hmm. And um, the goal, I, I happened to be reading Tim Ferriss's book, The 4-Hour Workweek at that time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a lot of people laugh at the title. And long story short, I literally created a business model with the help of a wonderful team that enabled me to work as little as three or four hours in a week. It, I mean, it literally mm-hmm. happened that way. Within, It took some time, about three years or so. The flip side of that conversation is I got so obsessed with that idea that, um, and, and frankly, just lazy in some ways, that I lost a lot of opportunity. Had I put 10, 15 hours, 20 hours, you know, how dare I work 20 hours a week, 15, 20 hours a week in at that point, 10 years ago, my company would be two, three X, especially with Mm -hmm. any kind of perspective, two, three X or more what it is currently. And I just didn't do that. And it's fine. At the end of the day, it worked out fine. And I'm super thankful for what I have, but it's just, I I just want to throw that little reminder out there. Even as we look at that title, um, total productivity system to achieve more by doing less, I think what we're talking about ultimately is working intelligently. We work intelligently, the things we do, we work super hard, but we work intelligently. And part of what enables us to work intelligently and to focus on the things that we enjoy focusing on is this idea of delegation. Um, So this is a great Mm -hmm. segue into our conversation about about this idea of outsourcing editing today. And again, I have to say thank you for, for like offering to have this conversation with us. It's mm, not, absolutely. it's not very often that we talk about this. And, um, certainly I, the last thing that I want to do is like to try to pull people on and be like, Hey, can you talk about photographers edit for us? <laughs> uh, you were super nope, gracious. I'll do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> you were super gracious to, to come on and do that. So let's just talk about this a little bit. How long ago did you start outsourcing editing in your business? So I started with you guys last fall and I am pretty sure that you have edited about 95% of my sessions this past year. Um, And the only reason why the other 5% is maybe I missed, you know, a scheduling date or um, something like that. But yeah, I started with you guys about a year into my business because I was finding that um, there was a huge bottleneck in exactly how much I could take on versus Mm. how much I could actually output. Mm. So um, 
And then whenever I found you guys, I felt invincible. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you're super generous. And first of all, thank you for your business. And also thank you for the kind words. But as I said earlier, I want to have some really honest conversation about this. Uh, mm -hmm. So a couple of things and, and to break the fourth wall a little bit, I didn't send these questions in the outline. I'm just thinking about them now as we're talking. First thing, one of the, one of the apprehensions that a lot of photographers, uh, one of the two major apprehensions that photographers share when it comes to outsourcing editing is the cost. I know we're going to talk about how this ultimately enables you to be more profitable, but your initial, did you have initial apprehensions about costs? What, what enables you to kind of get over that hump? I actually, I had, you know, it's anytime that you ever say, oh, I'm never doing that, that you are just speaking from ignorance. And, you know, usually those things, um, you actually go back on your word at some point, but I was like, oh, I'm mm -hmm. never hiring an editor <laughs> because I had misleading, um, ideas in my head thinking it was, I was like, well, my goodness, that just sounds so incredibly expensive. And, you know, they can't edit it like I do. And I don't want to give up. There's all sorts of things that I know that we're going to talk about, but cost, yeah, I just, you just automatically assume it just sounds, it sounds so like fancy and premium to actually have an editor doing your work for you. But um, whenever I, you actually look at the time that you're spending versus mm. Whenever I found you guys, I thought, oh my goodness, this is, this is like heaven sent. Like this is just exactly what I needed in my business. And um, heck, even if um, I am not a low cost, um, I charge, a f I don't know. I'm not like a premium on, on what I sure. charge. And I'm sure. also not a low cost photographer. I'm somewhere in the middle. Okay. But even then, so gosh, for the... Um, you know, how much you guys saved me, even if I was needing to raise my prices, I could easily build that into the cost of um, what I charge. You make an interesting point too, that it's easy. And by the way, I've been guilty of this a million times over in my life. It's easy to make a decision and mm -hmm. speak in dogma or make dogmatic statements, absolute statements. I would never do this, or I'm never going to yes. try that. And that's and I think there is an interesting balance there because as I even alluded to earlier, as human beings, we're wired to make quick judgments. And a lot mm -hmm. of times those judgments fail us because we make assumptions, right? The assumptions yes. come from other points of reference, not necessarily actual experience. We just make these decisions. And at the very least, we, the balance, I think, is to, to maintain an open mind to what could be. And, it, mm -hmm. and potentially even be willing to experiment in that thing. And if you do that thing with an open mind and you realize after making an objective effort that it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. That's fine. Whatever the thing might be. Right. But making assumptions and then dogmatic statements is, well, I have very strong opinions about that because I've seen it affect not only my business life, but my personal life as well and, and the lives of others. But it gets in the way of a lot of, of potential opportunity as human beings and certainly yes. as business owners. So I would just encourage everybody to keep an open mind and at least be willing to experiment uh, because there's mm -hmm. a lot out there in life that we could, we could have as individuals, as business owners, if we were willing to just open our minds a little bit to possibility. But um, you, you mentioned, we talked about cost and, and we're going to talk about how that ultimately outsourcing editing not only were you able to justify the cost, but it made you more money. But the other apprehension that photographers mention is the, uh, the, the idea that if I hand my editing to somebody else, it's not going to match my style and it's going to somehow be a poor reflection of my brand or hurt my brand and keep me from making as much money. I've even heard photographers go to the extent of saying, 
my clients know if I've not edited my images, which I think is hilarious. But that aside, mm -mm. what what apprehensions did you have in this regard? And again, what what enables you to step beyond that? And I'll, I know I'm asking a lot of questions here all at once, but just to add a, some nuance and again, kind of a challenging conversation here. Did you did the images that you get back or have they always looked exactly like you would edit them or what has that experience been? So I took, you guys have such a good process in place for actually setting up, um, you know, the editing style that I actually want you guys to mm. use. Um, so that was super helpful. Okay. I, um, you know, like as artists, we always want to think that nobody could possibly replicate exactly what we're doing because this is our art and we're creatives. Um, the truth of the matter is though, is what we do can be replicated, you know, in a few, I think I filled out, you know, I, t I told you guys pretty precisely exactly like where I wanted my white balance mm -hmm. and how to go off skin tones. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, I just, I, there was a level of comfort in knowing that you were asking the questions that you did to match my exact editing style. And honestly, like I, almost, I don't know how many, hundreds of galleries that you guys have done or catalogs that you've we've done together um most of them come back good where mm -hmm. i feel comfortable you know just adding a few tweaks i honestly i can say maybe a handful of times i was like oh like something just you know something wasn't straightened correctly or but sure i mean i've done a lot of sessions with you guys and i'm pretty happy and still happy to share everything about you guys. <laughs> I appreciate that. And I appreciate the honesty too. And, and I will add to this just for, again, further context for everybody listening in. There's what I would say to a photographer is that if we're doing our job right, uh, I would, uh, they should expect that 90 to 95% of the time, the images that they get back should look the way that they would edit them. As long mm -hmm. as to your point, they've taken the time to fill out their editing preferences. We have a whole section on our site in their account mm -hmm. dedicated to that, where they can share actually up to three different styles. Some photographers mm -hmm. have different styles that they want. You know, they, they process a wedding one way, a portrait session another way or whatever it might be. But as long as they've completely filled that section out in detail with consistent examples and consistent communication, then there's little reason for us not to send back files that look like their images the majority of the time. A lot of photographers like the control of being able to go back in and make adjustments. And that's the cool thing about yes. Lightroom catalogs. You can go back in, you can see all the work that our team did, the whole history of it, and then they can tweak it if they want to, but they shouldn't have to. Again, the majority right. of the time, we will never, myself, no editing company or individual editor in-house anywhere is ever gonna be 100% perfect. Uh, but our team is really good at what they do. And as long as that communication um, is maintained both in the communication of the editing style and then feedback if necessary, yeah. the relationship and the experience ultimately is going to be a really, really good one. So I, I appreciate the nuance. And again, I want this to be a, a really honest conversation, a transparent conversation for the sake of our listeners. How much time would you say that you spent editing, um, a session prior to outsourcing your editing? So I, so here's where it's a little bit hard, um, for me to gauge. I think I, was spending maybe three, four hours on a session. Okay. I'm very picky about certain things. However, when you have small kids, like my work time comes in very small pockets. Yeah. If it's 15 minutes here, a half mm -hmm. an hour there, mm -hmm. one hour during a nap time or whatever it would be, you know, any time that you're jumping in and out, in and out, in and out is just, you know, not an efficient use of time. So, um, 
that's, I think I would spend maybe three or four hours, but it was fragmented mm -hmm. and um, probably not my best jumping in and out different mindsets sure. of coming into um, editing. And it's funny you say that because I, a lot of photographers say something very similar. They're like, well, it, a wedding photographer in particular, the, how long does it take oh, to, yeah. to process a wedding? They're like, oh, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, like all told, if I sit down here and then I edit here at night and then I have to take my kids to this and then I do that thing. And, I, you know, it takes them a week, two weeks, three weeks because they're in and out. And it's not like you said, it's not focused editing time. So it yeah. ultimately takes even longer than than it naturally would if you just had the ability to be able to sit down and do it even three to four hours though if you don't mind me asking how much does the average session cost to have edited by photographers edit and comparing that against the three to four hours that it would have taken you so like my um oh like how much i spend with photographers edit yeah per session mm -hmm. so like my mini sessions i'll typically um send you guys about 50 images and that is 12 dollars mm -hmm. So you can't tell me that that is not the best money spent. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then whenever I get into like my, my full sessions, I'll send you probably closer to a hundred images and oh my goodness, maybe it's 20 bucks, you know, yep. um, exactly. or double that obviously. But yeah, it's uh, definitely a good uh, money well spent because then what it actually does instead of me. So my process is, um, you know, I bring my, get home from a session, I call, I'm, I'm a slow caller, so um, I'll call through the session, and I always pick five to ten favorites that I'll use to, I create a, a blog post for every single session that I do, as long as the clients are okay with me um, sharing publicly, and then I actually use that as a marketing piece, um, and I share like a sneak peek with them. Anyways, that whole process, so sit down, call, edit, and then kind of package up my catalog and send it off to you guys. That takes me maybe a half an hour. Um, but it happens all at once. Like that, I don't usually break up. I sit down, I call, edit, send. Um, then you guys do all of your magic, get you know my catalog back to me within usually quicker than I'm ready to even um, you know deliver it back to the client. And I will go through and fine tune just to make sure that, you know, skin tones look good. And I'll use my adjustment brush every now and then if I shoot a lot of backlit stuff, um, which always needs a little bit of fine tweaking, mm. whether it be, you know, radial filters or brushing mm. or, um, and then I just, I do all my black and white conversions on my own and um, export. And so that probably takes me a half an hour. But that's usually dedicated time too. So I'm not like piecing away at that. So um, I know that there are two, you know, pockets where I need to edit my sessions. Once at the beginning, okay. you guys do your work and then I finish. So, um, so you're, you're saving, I mean, it's, it's a third or a quarter of the time that it would have taken had you had to do it all on your own, which is a, it's a huge time savings. I'll add this little caveat too, in case anybody listening in or, or watching is curious that radio work, the brush work, it is, those are options that we offer mm -hmm. as, as far as our service. What Danielle is describing is our custom color correction, which is not just simply color correcting images, but matching the finish that mm -hmm. a photographer um, would call their style. And so that's what's included in that service. And there are actually a, a whole list of services packaged in that it's 24 cents an image currently. 
Um, but then we also do offer Lightroom retouching and Photoshop retouching. And so some of those other mm -hmm. services are options for anybody who just might be curious. I just wanted to throw that out there. But uh, Danielle, I want to, I kind of want to shift now to let, let's talk about how this ultimately enables you to become more profitable. How do you get to shoot more? How do you get to make more money? Um, talk to me a little bit about the marketing side of things. First of all, what did marketing look like previous to outsourcing and what does it look like as a result of outsourcing editing? So marketing for me, like marketing is always, I know there's a lot of people that run from marketing or just like this is marketing is not my thing. Somebody help me. Um, marketing for me, you know, whenever I started the business, I think I was almost as excited to market this business as I was to actually, you know, have mm. the business. So mm. I marketing, marketing was my first love. Mm. Um, so I did a lot, but honestly, freeing up my time where I had, let's say I shoot you know, a handful of sessions instead of having to sit at a computer editing, which actually, you know, editing is wonderful and beautiful. And I love delivering nice, um, you know, galleries to my clients, but that's actually not, you know, getting my business out there. It's not treating my client, like working on my client experience. It's not working on social media. You know, I would do as best I could before whenever I also had to work on the editing. But once I found you guys and I had all of that free time um, opened up, then I was, um, I just had lots more time. Hmm. Yeah, it's, and, and that is, it seems, it, it's interesting to me actually, and we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but I would say, uh, I would venture that if if you have a wedding, and I, I go to wedding photography because that's what I that's what I did the majority of. I photographed engagements, the occasional family session. My business partner mm -hmm. also photographed family sessions. But the average wedding photographer, portrait photographers might be slightly different, but I would say the average wedding photographer, and certainly portrait photographer, if you're only shooting two, three times a week, should be able to run their business in an average of about 20 hours a week. The mm -hmm. idea of having to work 50, 60, 70 hours a week in order to run a business, um, if that's the case, and I know there are always exceptions, so I'm not going to make a blanket statement here. But if that's the case, in many, if not most cases, it's probably because you're not running your business very intentionally. Mm -hmm. um, dare I say, and, and this is going to come across very direct and harsh, but intelligently. What I mean by that is not that you're stupid. And, and of course, I'm not talking about you, Danielle. Just <laughs> generally speaking, not that a photographer is stupid, but intelligently in that there are there are tools and services. In fact, literally, this is a really fascinating thing to me. But in 2021, if you Google any activity that you do in a day, personally or professionally, you could literally hire someone or use a tool that will do that thing for you or help you do that thing more efficiently. I don't really know of a whole lot of exceptions, honestly, in that conversation. <laughs> and I mean, we could go to a hilarious extent and probably prove that very, that very point. So the reality is that if, if we have tools or services that we can utilize like this, um, to your point, Danielle, if we're able to outsource what is probably the most time consuming element of running a photography mm -hmm. business, sitting in front of a computer, editing images, which of course, by the way, and we're going to talk about this, but it doesn't actually increase revenue doing that. Right. Oh. So right. if we don't have to do that and it then frees us up to do the thing that does generate more revenue, why would we not do that? Especially at, at so little cost mm -hmm. as we described. And so I'll just leave that question hanging for everybody to consider who maybe doesn't already outsource their editing, but let's actually use that as a segue to, to talk about, the increase in revenue that you've experienced. And I don't know if maybe you can give us kind of a rough estimate as far as the percentage increase in revenue since this kind of transition to outsource your editing. Do you have an idea? So like, I mean, I break it down on like a weekly, um, 
like weekly numbers, but where I was telling you that I was comfortable shooting two or three sessions a week um, because I just knew that that was all that I could actually handle and outputting and delivering to my clients. But like I said, I'll, like once I found you guys, I almost felt like um, invincible. Like I, I could probably just picture what my husband was saying, but like he was probably thinking like, oh my gosh, we've created a monster because I felt like I can just shoot as much as I can possibly shoot because this is taking, um, you know, such a burden of the workload of editing off my plate. So where I was shooting two or three sessions, um, well, this is a little bit crazy, but in this fall season, actually in October, I'm shooting anywhere between eight and 10 family sessions Whoa. a week. Yeah. So I'm a little bit busy right now. Yeah. A little bit. <laughs> just, yeah. But I mean, whenever you, um, look at it, I mean, that's, three, four times what I was um, capable of doing yeah. before. Now, I'm running a little bit hot right now, so I'm probably <laughs> not... Um, not necessarily sustainable the, at that level. <laughs> mm -mm. Yeah. And honestly, I, um, I do a lot for the uh, education side of my business too. So I have... There's the photography side, which is very busy right now, but... I also deliver um, content every single week to other photographers. I'm supporting them. Um, I have a lot of other things, digital courses that I also work on. So my time might be spread a little bit thin right now by taking on this many sessions. But I will tell you, there is no way, shape or form that I could possibly handle what I'm doing right now without photographers at it. Like I would, I feel a little insane right now and, um, yeah, that wouldn't even be a thing if I didn't have um, the support of you guys. Mm. So, well, again, I appreciate those very kind words. And and for those of you listening in, I, I've popped this up a couple of times. Photogs Edit, P H O T O G S E D I T is on Instagram, and then of course photographersedit.com, just like it sounds. Uh, I'll pop that up there as well on the screen for anybody watching live. A couple more questions here as as we finish up. I've already alluded to the significance of communication. And actually, any of the webinars that I do now and helping onboard photographers edit clients, I focus on this idea of communication and I highlight the two things I mentioned earlier, which is communication of preferences and then mm -hmm. the importance of feedback. When you get an order back, a lot of yes. photographers feel guilty. And, and I've, I've had conversations with photographers. In fact, they feel so guilty. We At one point, I don't know if you know this, Danielle, but we had... When you give feedback right now, and you've probably seen this, there are emojis that you can click mm -hmm. on the little emoji to communicate how you feel. And then, of course, give us more detailed feedback along with that emoji. And we, at one point, only had three different emojis. And it was a smiley face. <laughs> it was a, like, meh face or, or something in between. And then and then an upset face. And that wasn't enough nuance for photographers. They're like, we, we want more options because we feel bad clicking on this one. But we didn't really feel that, like, that face is too <laughs> extreme. We didn't feel that bad about it. We just wanted something tweaked a little bit. They don't so want to hurt your feelings. Exactly. Well, and I appreciate that. We, we've now expanded to five different emojis, so there's some nuance to it. But um, the feedback process is almost as important as communication of preferences. Mm -hmm. And why I say this is because we, and we're likening it to um, a, a dating relationship at this point. In, in order to, and, and not just a dating relationship, any kind of long-term relationship, friendship, romantic relationship, or otherwise, if you're going to develop a strong relationship, it's not just about in the initial communication of interests and hobbies mm -hmm. and so forth up front. It's the ongoing communication about preferences 
and desires and frustrations yes. and interests and deep thoughts and so forth. It is ongoing communication. That is what enables a healthy relationship mm -hmm. to, to, to be sustainable over the long run. And a lot of photographers miss that piece, unfortunately. I'd love to get your take on and the, the process of and ultimately your experience with communication of that editing preferences. You, you touched on that a little bit earlier, but then mm -hmm. also the feedback process in this workflow. Yeah, so I, I mean, it is so important. I mean, like you just said, with anything, if you want something done the way that you want it done, and this is something, this is our business, like our, our work is what we're delivering to clients. Like mm -hmm. this is um, important to us, but um, yeah, it, I was very active in the beginning. Anytime I notice just the slightest thing, you know, this wasn't, I sent a lot of feedback because I knew the value in what I was actually, you know, doing with you guys, what I was actually spending my money on was dependent on how well, you know, whatever editor I work with, um, you know, if, if they thought, well, she really likes whenever, you know, this is like this and I never say anything and I just correct it in that like half an hour of post-processing that I do, you know, I would continue to do that because yeah, but feedback's super important. I was pretty active in the beginning. Now I'm just, I just send like happy faces. Just like, this is fantastic. This is great. That was my favorite one. <laughs> nice. Well, I, you're maybe, maybe you're the exception to the rule. I, I will encourage though, not only you, but mm -hmm. certainly listeners who maybe consider outsourcing the editing, maybe they use photographers, you use photographers at it now. Please don't hesitate to give us the feedback. It's super important. Uh, we're in the middle of a busy season right now. And uh, we're actually, we've got a wait list uh, because mm -hmm. there we, we've, taken on so much business and, and we're, you know, this, this process of managing capacity is, is a learning curve, honestly, and we're continuing to get better at it. And we already have plans for this coming year that, um, I would like to think anyway, we'll just like take all potential capacity issues away, but nonetheless, we're in this middle of this busy season. And I know that in everybody's just kind of, they're busy as you're talking about shooting nonstop, have lots of images mm -hmm. to send in, and it would be easy in that process to to, I guess, to skip over taking what literally, I know a lot of it, when we're stressed out, something that doesn't take, actually take that long can seem like it takes a long time. The feedback process using the our little feedback form that we've created. Uh, and by the way, we've done so very intentionally based on the thousands of conversations that we've had with photographers over the year, over the years, but taking the time to fill out that feedback form, literally mm -hmm. five minutes, if that yeah. three minutes, maybe in some cases, grab a couple screenshots, communicate a couple of preferences, click the little checkbox that says, go back and tweak this, do, you know, redo this order, which of course doesn't cost a photographer anything to do. Um, those, that, those few minutes, not only does it save potential time of going back and having to tweak something, but we're talking mm -hmm. about building a long-term working relationship where preferences are understood, preferences are dialed in, mm -hmm. and ultimately we can deliver the best possible finished product to the photographer possible. And I just can't stress enough the importance of that. I think where yes. a lot of times over the years, we would, we would potentially be again, three, four, five X, 10 X, the company that we are right now. And part of this is on us and communicating this better. Uh, but if photographers had taken, just taken literally the three, four, five minutes to give us the feedback and let us make a change and then learn from that change, um, we would have many, many more clients. The problem is a lot of photographers come to an outsourcing solution like photographers edit. They're like, Oh, mm -hmm. look, they say they can do this thing. Here's my images. I dare you. Let's see if you can do it. And they send us the images, maybe not with great communication about their preferences. They get the finished product back and they're like, ah, oh, that's not what I wanted. And they go. 
And yeah. the reality is that like any relationship, long-term healthy relationship, personal or professional, it takes communication, ongoing communication yes. for a good working relationship. And we all know this from working with other companies, right? When we go to work for, I worked for LensCrafters for years. When I went to work for LensCrafters, I didn't walk in the door and they stuck me out in the sales floor and said, go mm -hmm. adjust that person's glasses and fit this person's new glasses that they're getting. And, and I was just supposed to figure it out. There, there is right. detailed training up front, number one, and then there's ongoing feedback and training. That's just, that's just reality. And yet somehow photographers have kind of skipped over that in this process. So I just want to encourage that. I, I love you. You make our, it, you make us look like this, this, you know, grandiose company <laughs> that gets it perfect all the time. Um, and we are very, very good at what we do, but the reality is that there are going to be circumstances where a photographer needs to give feedback. And I just want to encourage mm -hmm. listeners to do that. Communication is key in the process of delegation, really anything, but certainly when it comes to editing. I had, um, I released, so I love sharing a, anything that I know is helping my business. I love sharing it with other people. Like mm. I am one to always want to share something when I find something good. So that's why I created the blog post about, you know, um, just all about you guys, like why I started outsourcing my editing, because I know that, you know, there are so many other photographers like me out there that are like, oh, I'm sure it's too expensive and I'm not giving up my control and there's no way that they could edit like me. Um, you know, all of those things, every other person out there thinks those same things. So whenever I actually sent this out to my audience, they were like, oh my gosh, I actually had no idea how inexpensive it was relative to, you know, what I charge for a session. Or I, you know, just made the assumption that I got edited JPEGs back and I had no control over. Like, so there was, when I put this together, I did it, you know, in the most helpful way to tell people like, listen, I got something good for you. I too had all of these misconceptions. Listen to me here. But so whenever I released that, I think I sent it out not in busy. It was before, you know, the crush of busy season came. However, I'm now having a lot of those photographers come to me and say, oh my gosh, like we know, like right now you guys are, mm -hmm. you guys are slammed and they're like, they're not taking new people. I'm like, why did you wait until <laughs> you have so many yeah. sessions to learn something new? Because mm -hmm. it is a process. It does take time to set it up. If you want good output, you need to put good stuff in. So um, that's communication, um, that's going through the setup process, that's providing feedback. When the house is on fire is not the time to start doing something brand new. Like yeah. right now, I just said calling is my um, my arch nemesis. Like I'm just terribly slow at it. And I, I just had all these people tell me that photo mechanic is what you need to do. I sat down the other day, I shot four sessions the other night I stack everything and I thought okay I'm gonna do this for all four sessions it was foreign to me I had no idea how to use it and I thought why am I doing this to myself when I am under you know I'm so busy right now with everything else um, now is not the time to learn something new so I I had good intention whenever I shared it early before the storm came um, maybe people will listen a little bit better. Um, well, and I, I really, truly appreciate that perspective. And we'll kind of end on this note because I think it's a good way to uh, to end the conversation. Um, and, and that is exactly what you just said. Just to remind everybody that um, certainly the best time to get into it. We we normally accept clients all year long. Right now, we've we've created this waiting list, a standby list, mm -hmm. because we don't want to to overwhelm or further overwhelm our team or further affect the, the experience of our existing client base. 
Um, it's jumping in in the middle of October, which is, I guess, typically busy season for everybody mm -hmm. in the photography or most everybody in the photography industry, wedding and portraits in particular, um, is a little bit of a tough sell. And, um, and, and again, there could be a misconception if a photographer jumps in right now and tries to use photographer's edit or comes mm -hmm. to us and they see that there's a standby list and that's the initial impression, they may walk away frustrated without the kind of perspective that you just shared. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. I will encourage all of our listeners, we're going to begin opening up new accounts um, starting next month and um, we'll gradually kind of onboard the list. It's, it's quite a surprisingly large list at this point, but gradually let people on. And, um, and then as you're working your way through, you know, November, December, January, going into next year, mm -hmm. next year is supposed to be certainly for wedding photographers, the biggest year to date since like the eighties, it's going to be a crazy year. Uh, make sure to take the time to do exactly what Danielle just talked about, which is to set up your editing preferences. Go ahead and submit a smaller order or two even. Uh, your mm -hmm. first order, you get a discount. And so you save money. It doesn't take a lot to go ahead and submit an order and go through the process and dial in the, the experience. And then come busy season, you'll be ready to go. And we're going to be turning up capacity at, at, I mean, to crazy numbers this coming year. Uh, to allow for that, not just the growth, but just simply the fact that photographers are going to be so busy and we want to yeah. make sure that, that we do the best job taking care of that. Danielle, speaking of sharing, um, you don't happen to know off, offhand. Can I what... say one? Yeah, please oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. I have one more note before, please. if, if we're like winding down, but yeah. I, um, so we're talking about this in like, you know, profits and revenue and everything. I just want to put out one thing that I know that all of our success is relative. So um, where I'm saying, okay, photographers that it's allowing me to take on more clients. It's allowing me more time to market my business, which is helping me grow and make more money. Um, that may not be the appeal or the ultimate goal for, you know, a working mom that has uh, photography as a side business. Like she may, her success might be, well, maybe I could just have this side business, make a teeny tiny little bit of money so that I can supplement my income. But my ultimate goal is to like, you know, grow this into something where I can just be at home more with my family. So where I think the title was, you know, becoming more profitable by outsourcing, you know, becoming more, um, not profitable is not the word, but successful by using outsourcing. So successful might be hmm. instead of, you know, 10 hours a week editing, now I have time with my family. Hmm. So yeah, just to put that little out there that it's just not all about making money by outsourcing, you know, Outsourcing can give you whatever it is that you desire from your business. If it's profit, great. If it's time with your family, great. Um, if it's both, you know, yeah. Beautiful way to sum up Not always about money, but. Well, no, I mean, we do run businesses, so we need to make money, but you're right. Mm -hmm. the, the perspective, the motivation at times may, may vary or there may be nuance to that. And you're right. Some, sometimes it's just simply about the relationships. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's just about, I want to sit on the couch and watch, net, watch Netflix. <laughs> you know, the, <laughs> it, it can be those things too. That's great. And this gives you the time for that. Um, as we close here, do you have, um, I, I would love for you to put your referral code out there. Would, would you mind sharing that? Do you know it off the top of your head? Oh, I don't know it off the top I'll, of my head. I'll tell you head. what we're doing for anybody listening in, um, because of course this is, we're, we're live streaming now on video, but we'll have show notes for this with the video, but not only the videos, also the, the show notes for the audio version of the podcast, which mm -hmm. will go out in the next couple of weeks. So for anybody listening in, if you just go to the show notes, we'll make sure to put Danielle's referral code in the show notes. We want Danielle to get credit if you're going to go create an account. And, um, and the cool thing is I'll just throw this I out here. I appreciate that. Oh, of course. Well, and, and for context for everybody, we actually have a referral program built into mm -hmm. the account and you can customize that referral code and give it out to friends. 
And what's cool is you can you can build up rewards points, very similar to like a credit mm -hmm. card system, for example, but you build up rewards points that you can either use as credit toward editing or for an Amazon gift card. Um, and it's yes. funny, actually, over the years, we've, we've had the system in place for quite a while now, and some photographers didn't know. And they were placing order after order after order, because you get re rewards points by just placing orders, too. They're placing order after order after order. And I don't remember the exact numbers at this point, but there were some photographers that ended up with massive, massive amounts of that either free editing or Amazon gift card. <laughs> that was me. Jill okay. said to me, uh, yeah, probably a few weeks ago, she says, did you have any idea that you have all of these points? And I said, yeah. well, I knew they were there, but I just wanted to talk with my um, accountant just to make sure like how I'm using. Yeah. But that was me. Um, it's yeah. well, and it, <laughs> I, it's, it's there for the taking. So for those of you that create an account, make sure to, to leverage that you can get some free editing or a free Amazon gift card to go buy something that you want. Uh, Danielle, I really appreciate you making time to, to share with our listeners. Just remind them really quick. If you don't mind one more time, where your website is and where they can find you on Instagram as well. Yeah, so I am very active on Instagram um, at DanielleBlewittPhotography.com or at DanielleBlewittPhotography. Um, I also like just recently launched um, a new shop for photographers earlier this week um, with a whole bunch of different resources uh, and they can find that at DanielleBlewitt.com. But uh, client guides, eventually there will be presets and a whole bunch of stuff to kind of all the little tools to um, help photographers where they need it. Perfect. And I just popped that up there on the screen, DanielleBlewett.com. And of course, we'll link to this in the show notes as well. Yep. Danielle Blewett on Instagram. We'll make that available for everybody. Thanks again, Danielle, for doing this. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Sharing your experience. Absolutely. Have a great day. All right. You too.